1: Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is from the Believe Podcast family. That's why I'm your favorite podcast platform. It reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. And, um, and even though I have one of my biggest guests that I've had, uh, probably in the history of the podcast, um, it's still going to read Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report because that's the name of another work I may give us at some times, even though that hasn't happened in months and they still haven't bothered me about it but enough of that uh on to one of my favorite people favorite comedians working right now hopefully you've seen his special the king's jester you're a big fan of his show the patriot act um please go for it how's everybody
2: hey what's happening
1: nothing much is it you're in new york right now or uh wait yes sir oh you're in new york is it nicer weather than la right now
2: it's gorgeous right now. I'm not going to lie to you. It's spectacular. It yes. is like 64 degrees. It's Sorry. sunny. You have the, it's, um, it's aspirational New York right now. Oh, wow. So yeah. You know how like cinematography lookbooks. there's like, what type of New York are we talking? Is it like, is it gritty, uh, broody New York or is right. it, you know, Peak rom com New York.
1: We're in. Yeah, this seems like fall day. Everyone's wearing coats, but it's not raining.
2: You know. Yep. Yeah. It's Uh, it's it's your favorite shots from when Harry met Sally. Let's put it that way.
1: So it's perfect election day weather, is what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's It's not that here. It's gonna rain in in and out all day, and I am worried about voter turnout because of that. Oh my God. Yeah, Yeah. Um. You just uh released your special the king's jester which is amazing and uh i mean how's how's the reception been how's um because it's been years since your last special yeah
2: yeah um yeah it had been quite a bit of time that passed and it was one of those things where um i had the opportunity to put out a special but i was you know hosting my show at the time and I don't know. For me, I'm just a believer in hey, put it out when you feel like it's ready. I think there's, you know, two things I'm always thinking about. Is there something new that I'm saying about myself or my life? Especially because my style Mm -hmm. is more comedic storytelling, more kind of theatrical in nature in that way. And then um, do I have something new to say? And is it ready? So did I have the the amount of time to take it on tour and work on it with the director and kind of polish it and work with sound design, lighting design, stage design, and all that stuff. So, you know, I had, after Patriot Act ended in 2020, you know, I, I, you know, was able to really polish it and put it together during the pandemic. And then that year was able to tour it. And so we did, you know, 150 some odd shows and it was, it was great. It felt like it was the right time at that point. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. And I'm glad that there's been this sort of consciousness shift in comedy. Remember, remember, when CK was beloved by everybody. And in that time, everyone had to do an
2: hour every year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I mean, have you covered Edinburgh for the Bureau? Have you gone out there to cover it? I would love to do that. However, I don't have the coin to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, for those who don't know, Edinburgh Fringe is uh, one, of the world, one of the world's biggest performance festivals and a lot of it has to do with comedy. And it's a month long. And um, basically if you're a performer, you just have to plunk down 10 to 15 grand that you, I mean, the hope is you break even, but so many people don't. And there were stories this year because of like global recession, whatever you want to call it. Like people, performers were camping out in the street to save money.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah it's uh it's it, the the financial means to do it is it is no joke mm-hmm. um so i mean like kudos to every performer that goes through it the mm-hmm. the financial slog the mental slog of it you have to go out for a month yeah and, and perform
1: every day pretty much
2: yeah and if you're not a big act it it doesn't matter sometimes you're performing for three people and sometimes you're performing for you know a small black box theater with several hundred but you have to do the show nonetheless and th- there's something really um you know, gutsy and and risky and doing it, n- not only is it financially risky, but you are putting your show that you worked on all year out there. And then if you're not a big act, the reviews that come in determine kind of the, how well the rest of your run is going to go and potentially the rest of your touring run the following year is going to go. So mm-hmm. it is no, it is no small feat, um, right. but what's cool about it. And I still have yet to do it. I've, mm-hmm. I've wanted to do it and I've, They've said, they've offered me like a short run, but I kind of want to do like a 15 day run of it. Right. But what's cool about it to me is that the genre of comedy there is way bigger than what we understand the genre of comedy to be here here in the States, in the United right. States. Right. So they'll have, I was talking to Ronnie Chang about it. He's like, they'll have magicians, they'll have yeah. puppet artists, they'll have yeah. like full on, um, even kind of like avant-garde acts. So oh, it's sure. really cool. Yeah, that part of it is um, something I want to see. Like, I think yeah. that would be really inspiring to kind of break the mold of what we think is possible here in the states. It, you know? There's there's
1: little little pockets in L.A. and New York that are fomenting that sort of thing. Like, um, caveat does a lot of weird stuff in the Lower East Side. Uh, Life World. Do you know about Life Worlds?
2: No, no. It's, I mean, the closest, the closest to like avant garde that I've seen that's gotten that kind of off Broadway or Broadway love is, is Kate Berlant's show. Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. she break form and she'll even like satirize the form itself, which is like right. so cool. Right. Does she still come out as a janitor saying,
1: like, you guys are looking <laughs> to see Kate tonight? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 And I got to see that she's, I think they're, they extended the run. I think I read that they extended the run. So I got to go check it out now that I'm off yeah. the road. Yeah. But like things like Life World, it's
1: this tiny, it's, I mean, it's an office space made into a theater that's like, it is the most Brooklyn shit ever. It's in an office building in Gowanus, Uh huh. And there's no sign. You just have to like know the address. And then you go up this mysterious flight of stairs. And then there's this theater space, and it's really cool. But yeah, yeah they do experimental stuff. Like there's this guy, um, uh, uh, his first name's Tim, and his last name is escaping, escaping me. But he does like a night of wedding speeches, and everybody plays like this character at a fake wedding, and they like roast the couple, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is also me and that's fun. And then there's a like out here in LA, there's like the Elysian, which is right. like, huh? You've heard of it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, the ad, uh, Cape. K- um Bamford is dedicated to just having weird stuff like she'll she'll have like fun stand-ups like Roy Scovel gets to play it a lot but that's like Rory other than that she wants just purely weird formats she even like had a day where people who were in LA prepping for Edinburgh. she's like hey we're just gonna have a day dedicated to all your shows doing like one run before you go to Edinburgh and uh, it's all the weirdest stuff and she just put her first festival together it was all like never before seen original productions and like there was a whole sketch show where uh kristen wallace did uh, like a bunch of sketches in whiteface oh um, wow yeah that was the show that opened the festival there was someone who i think is more of a performance artist and not even a comedy act but she tried to do this whole presentation about the sustainability of just using like bones in your daily life. And went, and and I just could not tell whether she was kidding or not. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Go. Yeah. So there they're like that like yourself, there is a desire for it. And it's just having spaces for it and like telling having people notified that like, hey, you want to see something that isn't just, you know, uh, the other day I was, and you have to like pay for two drinks.
2: It's there. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. And I think, um, New York has a little bit more of a celebration of it. London, for sure. Um, sure. Uh, and, and it's not like, uh, it's not that shocking or surprising. So if you talk to someone like James Ac- um, Acaster, Acaster yeah, yeah. or Nish Kumar, you know, those yeah. guys who have churned over so many different types of one-person shows or hours, so to speak. Like, right. they, they they have a pretty pretty cool understanding right. of the gamut. Funny yeah. enough, I don't know, did you ever get into Spalding Gray's work? I mean, I've known of Spalding Gray
1: um, for a long time. I feel yeah. like Spalding is probably, like, mentally- op- occupying like a tab open in my head of like I should get to that at some
2: point yeah yeah Um, I mean mean, what's what's wild is I kind of went down a little bit of he was a a big inspiration you know for for me and he has a series of like HBO uh specials from the 80s and the 90s and you know the they're 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 pretty incredible. Swimming to Cambodia is one that was you know really really fantastic. Grey's Anatomy. They're they're right. really great. Right. Um, and what he was able to do, the way I would describe it to people who haven't seen it is like imagine um, a really funny kind of like David Sedaris, Mike Birbiglia type monologue. Right. Um, as he's he's just performing to the the the, the primary camera, mm-hmm. but they'll do he'll do a full stage design. So you'll, you'll, you're watching it and you're like, is he, okay, so this is a movie, right? But he's mm-hmm. doing a full monologue mm-hmm. in the movie. And then as he goes to his next monologue, there'll be just a complete scene change. Oh, wow. And um, it was really cool. It was really rad. What was awesome to me was I, I always thought I'm like, yeah, only that could only exist at the public or that could only exist at the Cherry Lane theater. There's no way that would kind of translate, but, He has this really cool kind of discography or filmography of this like window in the mid 80s to early 90s where he was doing really cool stuff on HBO, in my opinion, you know, and 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 that was kind of a counter to Mm -hmm. what like big, broad kind of 80s stand up boom comedy was, so to speak.
1: Right. Which, I mean, the look of hasn't really even changed all that much if you just watch whatever Netflix special. Sure. I mean, even Fluffy's latest one where he plays Dodger Stadium. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, he has a bit of, like, sort of set pieces on stage, but it's just him on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's not even, like, shot, like, there's something so um, nuanced about Gerard's uh, special with Daniel.
2: Totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but what Bo and Gerard and Chris and those guys are doing is is, is absolutely incredible. Um, right. For you, I mean, as someone who's seen so much comedy, mm-hmm. uh, the live performance and then the sort of concert film or special, right. I cut right. these in two different markets. Right. Uh I feel like it's, you know, there's like a – there's different philosophies to the way you would execute it. You know, I wonder what you, what you appreciate or love more. You know, there was this pretty great interview with Louis uh, that I, that I watched from a while ago. And he, when he had that run where he was putting out specials every year, he really had this kind of Verte style of uh, executing his specials where, you know, even live at the comedy store, you'll just see the walkout and you'll kind of see the shaky cam nature of it he wanted to make it feel like, okay, what if I just popped in that night? And he, he really didn't try to overdo any of the kind of camera movement, et cetera. Right. But then if you watch other specials, if you say, take like Mulaney's Live from Radio City, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, Kid Gorgeous, mm-hmm. Scott passed at the stage design. There's this beautiful organ that plays him in. I mean, it really is like right a concert film and both of those things are equal concert and film yeah how do you, how do you break it down like how how do you like i right. because i see the validity in both i see yeah. i i understand the philosophical truth in both you know right
1: i i don't think like you're saying i don't think either one is invalid and i think it just speaks to how closely like like tied each act is to their voice i mean i guess mulaney now it'd be interesting to see him do just a like strip down i mean that's what he's like going for right like his whole idea now is like all right i'm telling everything i you know you guys thought of me this like well-mannered kid, r- raised Catholic, and yeah, I do coke, and I left my wife, and <laughs> I right, right, married right. Olivia Munn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but that's a different, um, that's a different Mulaney than the one he was putting on, and like, I as long as it's genuine, you know, um, yeah. Like one, the especially that Aziz did where essentially it's like his apology special. Right, remember right, that one?
2: Right, right, it felt, uh, right now, yeah,
1: yeah yes. it felt so produced in a way where like, like, okay, you do, you're you a suit guy. What are you doing wearing like a Metallica t-shirt? And it's shot at this angle that's trying to be cinema verite, but all of this feels like you, It's it's made to be like, manipulative in a way to like oh, no I, I i i want this to be my mea culpa yeah. and uh but rather than
2: but don't you think jake it's so tough because now we've we're, we've also become so media savvy
1: mm-hmm. so
2: seen so many mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, right. and and i can get into that heady i can get into a heady headspace of like if i do it this way it'll signal this and but right. if i do it and it can you can have like you can play 4D chess with yourself, you know. Right, right. I wonder because Spike Jones directed that. I wonder what Spike's interpretation was. That's right. what's really interesting to me, right. you know. Yeah. I wish. I wish you know, like those are those moments where I was like, oh man, I'd love to, to hear what his take on it was because he just he, he shot that one at Bam and Spike literally just you know put the camera right to the right of him, just right on on him to the right stage yeah. right.
1: And you could see yeah. backstage a little bit, which I don't think you've ever seen in a special before. That was interesting. Totally. totally,
2: uh, totally.
1: Yeah. And I mean, yeah, they, I think they, you could probably debate till the end of time as to like what it, how, you know, is it being 4D chess? Is this like what he's really trying to do?
2: To Or did it feel honest? right in that moment? You yeah, know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I know Rel, Rel has the special in HBO. Lil Rel has this live, Um, I think it's live from Crenshaw, but he does it at a, High school gymnasium and what's really interesting is as the sun sets yeah like as he's performing the sun is setting so like for anybody who was like probably working in like lighting design must have been like oh fuck you're we're fucking up continuity of the shot but at the same time there's also this there's this real brilliance to it where you're like he's letting you know hey i'm gonna have to edit around this thing and it's gonna force my hand of authenticity yeah. There's no show or late show to cut to, or right. even um, Rami did one. Rami Yusuf did one called feelings and he, and I think store, Chris Store directed it as well. Mm-hmm. And what was really cool about it. And this is where I give Rami so much credit. Mm-hmm. He shot it at the Chicago, I believe it's called the Chicago cultural center, which kind of, it looks mm-hmm. like a church meets a mosque. This is kind of, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it looks like a temple in like Istanbul or something where it's just right. like a combination of like European and yeah. Islamic architecture. But he mm-hmm. shot this thing in the round. So mm-hmm. as he's shooting it in the round, Chris is getting shots of the other cameras. Yeah. And for some people, that you'd be like, "Oh fuck, you ruined you 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 fucked up your frame." Right. But in other ways, that you one could argue, hey, there there's no bait and switch here. That I'm not trying to pull like a a, a film parlor trick on you. I'm I, right. I'm. I'm signaling to you there is continuity narratively here, right. but and and in the shot, you know, right, right. I would even say, I mean,
1: because people are so media savvy, I don't know that that is like a deal breaker anymore. Seeing cameras, sure, um, you know, I mean, that's so prevalent in whether it's reality TV or just like people being meta. I mean, it's yeah. like when are people going to be meta about meta? I mean, arguably that's what Kate does um yeah. Yeah. you know because it's so in in fat and vogue right now i mean there's that show reboot on hulu that's mm-hmm. so meta it's almost like not meta anymore right
2: right right yeah, right. yeah. um yeah. what so uh, by I mean, the way did you see that did you see that resurface clip of uh Bo burnham's interview about eighth grade there's this oh kind of, yeah yeah uh, yeah about social media yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. I thought it was really, you know, well said and, you know, just really um so profound. And it got me thinking and it got me thinking about my, too, in an interesting way, because one of the things he, you know, uh, for anybody listening, just I'll, I'll kind of recap what it is. It's a, it's a piece of archival footage from Bo Burnham when he's on the press, the junket circuit for his film Eighth Grade that he wrote and directed. And he talks about kind of internet, internet culture and how um, youth culture now so knows, uh, can quickly identify and sniff out BS. But there is this level of like nihilism and disgust with the internet which is why the only way um, people are able to, at least the youth is able to, like deal with it, is is everything is ironic detachment. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it got something in my mind where I was like, "Oh, th- what he's talking about in that moment is why I see so many tweets and so many Instagram posts written all in lowercase." even, even assigning an uppercase or a period, any, any modicum of kind of earnestness or truth would be too much because this is on Facebook. This is on meta as a platform. Like it's on Twitter. This place is a is a dumpster fire from hell. Like, why would I, why would I be like vulnerable or earnest here? Everything has to be detached irony. And it got me thinking where I was like, fuck I totally see the truth in that but at the same time then I'm this guy I'm 37 I have two kids like I don't know if detached irony is like a cool thing anymore Dude, right. for me for me right. as just a, an artistic choice I right. was kind of grappling with that I, I I totally got what he was saying and I right. kind of I was I was just journaling like all right so then where do where do I go from here where do we go from here because right. so much of comedy is the right is that kind of ironic detached place. You're taking the piss out of something. Right.
1: You, Wait, is this where Gen Z and Gen X come together?
2: I, I, I yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, if if that's true, then it's just like a pendulum, and then there's going to be a whole wave of just people who are unapologetically sincere, sincere, and that's going to be a thing.
2: Oh, interesting. And you know? Jenna, which is like, which are, which are my kids. Right. You know, they're, they're four and two. You right.
1: Know? Well, which w- honestly would not be surprising that they're just like, no, this is what I love and I love it. And if you think it's weird, then fuck off, you
2: know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Just un- unbridled, authentic, real joy, you know? Yeah. Which I,
1: I'm i I'm on board
2: for. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Well, um, well, it's funny because whenever I bring my kids around, like set or whatever. And let's say, you know, I'm um, someone in the cast is like 21 or 22. They will find my four or f- my four and a half year old daughter so adorable because of that. The sincerity aspect. Right. They're like, like, oh, she really loves crafty. Yeah. Like she's not about SAG or WGA or residual. She just she just loves that they have like Kit Kats at crafty. Right, like no more no less you know right
1: well i guess i wanted to ask that with all this like floating around in your head do you have an idea or a concept brewing for the next special i mean is something else, like oh, i think you, yeah i'm already working on the next one yeah yeah so what i mean what what can you tell us are you gonna keep it uh tight
2: sealed like a marvel movie you'll probably you'll probably see a, a work in progress of it probably within the next 6 to 8 months i'll end up what i'm going to end up um working on it um a little bit differently than the way i was working on this last one this last one i actually was going to black box theaters and i was doing residencies that's um, great so i was you know and what's great is People don't know this, but the country is filled with really, really great small theaters that it's are nice. that, that aren't connected to the kind of like live nation ticket master oligarchy of uh, right of live performance. There's really great performing arts venues. So I, I actually did a several week residency in Memphis, Tennessee, Asheville, North Carolina, um, Winston-Salem, you know, and would just set up there for 10, 14 days and just work on it. And it kind of became this thing where in town it was like, Oh, Hassan's here, you know, like let's, let's go. And so, you know, night one may have 50 people, night two, 75, 125. It was just this kind of thing where they could kind of see me work it out together this way. I think and this time around, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to kind of do a hybrid approach where I might take it to some performing, performing art spaces, might take it to clubs. I just want to just see how the, the format works in different right. in different uh, environments, you know.
1: Yeah, and I do. I I want. I'm glad that that's still going to be a part of it, even though it's a hybrid approach. Because I feel like there is there is like the this uh, from what I've seen where you put the work in does come out on the other end of I've seen specials of people that they started out in alt rooms and stuff and your last specials like were mainly developed in like club spaces and they just it's not like they're bad but they're just like they're it's fine it just mm. it's it, it's just fine because where do you they, think
2: where do you think it fell it fell short in terms of was it the material the timing the execution of it I think it's
1: largely like the material. It, the material didn't feel, I mean, them as performers felt still engaging, but the material didn't feel as urgent because also it feels like the crowd, like I know for a fact that the majority of the places they played were like for crowds that were just seeing them because they were famous, not because uh, like, oh, we saw them when they were like playing
2: Meltdown or Rafifi or whatever it is. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think the thing that I would also, that I'm going to try to change this time around is film it in the middle, film it in the middle of the run.
1: Mm, Okay.
2: To kind of give it a a, a little bit of a sense of, um, one of the things I want to try and experiment with is, is what if we leave a little bit of extra smudge on the canvas, so to speak? Like, um, have you seen David Tell's Roadwork? Say what?
1: Have you seen David Tells Roadwork? No, no, is that, talk a, about, is that a great thing that? Yeah, talk about smudge on the canvas. So he just threw out the idea of it looking good at all and just decided like, let's tape my next 13 dates wherever those are. And it's whether oh, wow. it's the Stress Factory or cool. some weird Hawaiian restaurant. Uh-huh. And, and he even gave the one audience member a camera Kind of like that Beastie Boys doc, and oh, like wow. yeah, and he and basically the concept was let's get the best version of whatever bit I'm doing for the hour, and we'll just put that and we'll patch it together. Yeah, and it's really like lightning in a bottle is what he got.
2: Wow, that's awesome. You know what? might and what might also be interesting is there there are a couple of concepts I've been throwing around with other comedians and performers that I really like. And there is there may be even a version where there's a mixtape version of what I want to do, which is which is feels urgent. And we put it out within a three to six month window right. and it it, it kind of has that DNA in it. And then there's a version that maybe I do what Mike is doing and it's a little bit it's more of a Broadway. It's a longer thing that was developed and it's like a it's a it's a piece of standalone art in that way where. That's kind of what I wanted Homecoming King and the King's Jester to represent. In the event that you weren't able to see me on tour, right. can you take the 66-minute capsule right. and be like, "Yep, I, I I I get the best experience of this." Right. And I've seen people do like what I thought was so brilliant about Rathaniel, which is, "Hey, this felt like this is a bottle rocket in this moment in time for Gerard at okay. this exact window." Yeah. Then take something like inside you know everybody loves you know Bo, Bo's thing and it was spectacular right no. that feels like such a capsule for the pandemic yeah but if you look at the special before that make happy make happy directed by Chris Store as, as, as well I think Bo and Chris worked on it together but that really felt like if you saw him on tour this is the best representation of what this experience could be so right. It's in an in egalitarian format. Come to Netflix, watch it, but it gives you that. So I, I'm thinking there's there's two kind of versions in in my mind, but I but I might I just might like the artistic right. practice of that of that yeah. kind of like smudge and the messiness of it, and maybe it's, it's put out in a more urgent way. You know, right?
1: I'm excited for whatever, especially because you think so much about this, and I feel like there there's I mean, there are probably just certain other considerations beyond comedians control where they don't get to put that sort of stamp on it but um sure. would, you t- would you take a as big a conceptual swing as did you see Danny Jalis's latest special that's like a choose your own, no, own the, the choose your own
2: right yeah I haven't seen but you gotta it's, it's it gotta watch it it's great that's, that's great so cool yeah it's and on you, YouTube right
1: it's on YouTube and it's really just like all right as he he very cleverly, crafts every transition as to like leading up to whether either choice like are you pro this or anti this
2: wow that's so awesome that's so, so then cool it leads I into
1: the, it the ending is the same
2: oh that's great yeah that's so awesome yeah fuck that's so cool i think man I, again maybe this is just like my 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 optimism i just think that um we are entering a really great time for art and I think the place that comedians are taking the genre is really spectacular. I mean, if yeah. you even watch one of the things that that totally blew my mind, if you if you watch um, season three of Barry, it's I, to me, that's a full drama. It's actually more drama than it is comedy, right? right. I, like they've crossed the Rubicon and they've kind of taken the pathos that's in comedy and taken it to its. For this conclusion and doing just yeah. actual like kind of like drama, real like expense and drama, you know, right, absolutely, and but still,
1: there were moments that were so funny, and so director- great, yeah, and directorially, I, I mean, definitely season three. What I loved about it, they would just have these wide shots and have all everything play out, and they would stay locked on the wide shot, totally, I totally, really, really, really love that, yeah. Um, we gotta do a bit of news. I know we're about to get out, but like, I just gotta, I gotta hear your take on it, especially cause social media is such a big part of the King's jester. Yeah, yeah. So Elon Musk, I, in my take, it seems to be really mad that he had to go through with his Twitter deal and is sure. now using Occam's razor logic. It's like, he's just like wanting to ruin the company.
2: <laughs> Dude, it's so crazy. Like I um, because I'm in pre-production on a movie right now, mm-hmm. I stayed off Twitter. I'm like from what I understand right now, it's it's like Mad Max Fury Road right now on, right. on the platform. So yeah. what's happen- So what's happening? People are getting like booted, who's right, ca- right? So booted and who is- who's coming back? What's so, so what where where are we at right now in the where, timeline?
1: Uh he was he announced that he was going to fire a half of Twitter's workforce and he botched that. He found it was really hard to just do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there, uh, That was preceded by announcement that um, being verified wouldn't be a mysterious, like, behind closed doors process anymore. You could just pay $8 a month and you would get a blue check mark, which he thought would democratize it, but everyone's very mad about that because that devalues everyone who already has a blue check mark and is verified on Twitter. And the latest that has been happening over just the past 72 hours is that comedians, as they want to do, changed their profile name to Elon Musk and we uh-huh. were just going, going to town. And they were getting uh-huh. booted off because Elon was like, that is identity theft. And uh-huh. uh, unless you specify parody, um, you will be permanently suspended. So Kathy Griffin got permanently suspended. Um, Griffin Newman, who um, said he was doing parody, got booted. Um, uh, but like currently Kyle Kinane's uh profile says Elon Musk and uh he hasn't gotten kicked off yet.
2: Got it. Got yeah. it. He's he's just quietly plugging dates at the comedy attic as Elon yeah, Musk. Yeah, yeah. And, and also
1: just tweeting whatever that would make Elon uh unhappy. But um yeah it doesn't it seems like he's making like the perfectly wrong move at every time. And I mean I wrote about this yesterday like Twitter used to be like like a, a wonderful sort of breeding ground uh farm system for comedians like Rob Delaney Megan Hamram right. like started their comedy careers off of Twitter alone yeah. um and yeah. we are so far removed from that where people I mean if anything Twitter seems like a chore now
2: hmm there wasn't there was an innocence to it at that time where it was <laughs> like um it was its own kind of digital open mic.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and now it's like, uh, it really is the, um, the town square of every third rail issue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, know, that's really really what it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, And, and, and it's, it's been tough, you know, especially for me, someone coming from, you know, Patriot Act to me, Patriot Act, the goal of the show was to, to be the counterweight to, the sound bite, like mm-hmm. here's 27 and a half minutes on insulin pricing. Like right. if I'm gonna, and, and I'll, I'll give you the full YouTube link and then I'm gonna walk away. Like right. you, I'm not gonna do an interview about it. I I have poured every last joke TK archival footage and graph right. that I could put into this right. and, field, and field pieces. Nice. This is it. like, this right. is my thought on affirmative action gun control, the NRA, like here it is. Um so i don't know in a world of context collapse i don't i don't know where what twitter's role in that is going to is going to be now i have no clue
1: no i don't either and i mean i even quit about like you know it, it's kind of been a thing for a long i mean like people would use twitter comedians would use twitter as like a digital open mic It's yeah. just it, cuz they had that word limit and there's the scrolling feed and all that and that was kind of perfect for that so right. if they don't have that I mean, Mastodon isn't going to be a thing. The supposedly <laughs> alternative to Twitter, yeah. and people aren't going to join True Social or Parler or whatever, right? So, I mean, what people are going to post like written text, like jokes on Instagram stories?
2: Yeah, I have no idea. No. Yeah, because there was this um, kind of vir- virality effect to liking and retweeting someone's right, you know, tweet, so to speak right what do you you know as a person who like loves to like write and like thoughtfully have all right here's a detailed kind of analysis for you Mm -hmm. Um, what do you feel like is the healthiest platform for that medium probably or reddit like what do you think where where do you think discourse is at its best i i mean i mean like it would be nice to
1: say something like substack but like i mean there's then comes in like the idea of this accessibility and paywall. And right. I, there's always like opposing forces of having accessibility and open lines of communication and then people being bad actors. Yeah. You yeah. know, like there was a, AST Records, which I love. They used to have a message board components. Um, that was like, that was the sort of thing before me to find shows um but like people got so gatekeepy even though that's like you're not even getting paid to like talk about like live comedy in la and new york so what are you doing
2: right, right, right
1: being right. shitty about it you know right 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 right, right. um so like yeah the, the question always becomes like who watches the Watchmen? <laughs> right,
2: right you know there was one thing all right let me let, let, we're, we got to wrap up here but yeah, let yeah. me let me give you a, a pitch of uh, of a moment in time on the internet where I was, uh, I was like, you know what, this group is pretty cool. So it's uh, November 2014. I'm moving to New York City. I'm I'm joining the Daily Show with John Stewart at the time, mm-hmm. and I had never owned my own suit. I had never <laughs> owned a suit. It's funny comment, you know. I'm talking to Jake. Right. So there was a Reddit thread called reddit.com backslash r backslash male fashion advice. And if anybody is uh, like a newcomer to men's fashion, it is a very kind of egalitarian, hey, welcome to men's fashion. This is what an Oxford color, you know, an Oxford button down is. This is what a suit jacket is. These are what chinos are. These are dress pants. These are slacks. These are single pleats, double pleats. Yeah. This is a regular, a double breasted suit, a worsted wool suit, all that stuff. Right. Right. What was great about that forum was that there were yeah. community yeah. moderators that had some level of skin in the game that welcomed everyone. Once a week, there was a, Hey, if you're new to MFA men's Fashion advice, and you want to upload a picture. And it was just a bunch of guys being like, Hey, I'm going on my first job interview. What do you think of this outfit? Hey, I'm going on a date. Like, what do you guys think of this outfit? And they kind of established ground rules. They're like, hey, compliment something that you see that they're doing that you like. If they're doing something that you think is in poor taste or bad taste, pitch a suggestion. So like, don't just tear them down, like pitch an alter, an alternative. And there was something about, there was something really lovely about that communal spirit of, hey, everyone's welcome here, you know, like just be decent to other people. Right, and try to help them out. And as I was, it was kind of sad. I I, I, like right after I was on the show for about a year, I had kind of established a basic New York wardrobe. Kind of like this is what I have. A pea coat now. I have like a winter jacket. And they helped me. Right. There was this. There was this really beautiful thing that they have, where also there's like giveaways and swaps. Right. People are like, hey, I, I have these red wing boots that I'm not going to wear anymore, but they're great. They're patinaed in excellent like does anybody want them and there's something about that time in my life between like 2014 to 2015 that that forum kind of represented for me that that is what I thought and I hope the internet can be at its best yeah where like shitposting and pylons are disincentivized and kind of um a, a collective you know mission towards a kind of common goal of decency human decency is celebrated and and like big upped
1: yeah um, it very so much can be that's, and, what, that's what i like
2: hope i like right. I, I, I would, if any of these platforms can do that that would be fucking so rad
1: right i feel like there is plenty of that it's just that things that operate like that on the internet don't get they don't make as much noise as like elon or kanye or any of that and that's sure. like that's a like big problem And and how do you make that sustainable Yeah, when like corporate interests come in, that always ruins it and becomes gatekeeping in a different way. But like then it's like for me, it's like I'm uh, I've been the bureau just turned 12 um, and I'm like, all right, I want to keep doing this. Like how I I mean, I can't even think about how I'm getting through the next year. I just got to think the next
2: few months, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, the reason why I wanted to hop, on, I i rarely do podcasts. It's just not my thing. But um, you, you, you know, you provide this great service for people. It comes from a place of love and thank sincerity. You, like you love, you love comedy. You love the, the genre and the art form. So I wanted to just hop on and, and just chat with you. So yeah, Thanks.
1: thank you, man. It's so much appreciated. And I've had, I always have, the best time to i and i mean i know you're a busy guy but this conversation could have been four hours
2: i know man we could have we could have like we could have yeah. really gone into it there yeah. was a whole thing. i wanted to do a deep dive with you about swimming to cambodia and jonathan dem as a director and everything that he's done but yeah we could do that we'll
1: we'll do it another time um thank you so much for joining us uh you know obviously uh, at Hassan Minhaj minaj uh cross platforms right
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Is there anything else you would like to plug? I mean, the King's Jester is streaming right now. Streaming
2: now, King's Jester, and just enjoy your life, man. Everybody, just hope you're healthy and happy and doing well. That's all. (laughs) Wow. See,
1: and there's that sincerity we're talking about. There's no irony. Um, No, I'm
2: just like, hey, you know. Yeah. 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 Have a great day.
1: Absolutely. I'm Jake Kroger. I run The Comedy Bureau. You can find The Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com at The Comedy Bureau across platforms. You can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket on Twitter. I'm at Jake Kroger. So many great causes to support this time. Please support those. But if you have money and generosity left over, please support The Comedy Bureau. Do you have anything to say as we sign off here, awesome.
2: No, thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks yeah. for listening.
1: Thanks, See man. You.
2: Later, uh, dude. Yeah. Bye.
1: Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family.